Welcome back to He Leadeth Me, a spiritual formation podcast for Focus staff, students, and friends. I'm Jessica, Manager of Spiritual Formation for Focus, and today I am joined by two other Focus staff members. We have here Trevor, who is a formation specialist, and he is in charge of formational media for Focus which includes our YouTube channel, the blog, and the Torch newsletter. And we also have Stephanie with us. Stephanie is Senior Alumni Relations Missionary, and her role is to invest on a diocesan level with our Focus alumni and to invest in projects like Seek and Go Forth. So thanks for joining me today, guys. Absolutely. Mm, Thanks for having us. Happy to be here. Now, what I didn't mention is that in addition to all of their other responsibilities for Focus, Trevor and Steph are documentary makers. So several years ago, Trevor and Stephanie and I left in a blizzard and we drove, what was it, like 11 hours to North Dakota to make a documentary. That documentary is Thirst for Souls, the Michelle DePong story. Now, the documentary isn't quite completed yet. It's still going through a little bit of editing, but we showed a sneak peek of it at our national conference, Seek. And so my goal with today's episode is to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the making of this documentary and just to talk a little bit about Focus alumni Michelle DePong, who was the subject of the documentary, and how the experience of making the documentary changed each of us. So we started out in very different positions in regards to our relationship with Michelle. So, Steph, can you tell us how you knew Michelle? Absolutely. Um, Very excited to say that she was my missionary when I was a student. So when I was at SDSU, it was her second year as a missionary, and I was a freshman, and we were just beginning focus on that campus. And so she has just starting our chain. So she discipled uh, Sister Gianna, who's now a Carmelite, and then Sister Gianna discipled me. And so got to have the experience of kind of learning what mission was. Uh, she taught me how to pray with the bravery, how to pray a holy hour, things like that. So it's just really fun. I got to become really good friends with her through mission. And how about you, Trevor? Very similar, except, well, no. I had never, (laughs) never met her, never heard of her. Every now and again, maybe, you know, at the focus office, her name would come up and say, oh, yeah, I remember Michelle did this. I'm like, oh, I don't know who that is. Maybe it's just a holy, holy focus woman. But I was just connected from the beginning with being able to do some video things. And it was something that we wanted to do, especially for our staff, to tell her story. And so I was excited to learn more about her and learn more about her I did. (laughs) So I was kind of in between you guys where I had had brief interactions with Michelle when she was with Focus. She moved back to the diocese and a couple times she had contacted me asking me what I thought about ideas that she was trying to implement in the diocese. And then over the summer, I think it was, I had the opportunity to pray with her before she had her major surgery. So I knew it was announced that she had cancer. And I organized some prayer vigils for her at NST and SEEK and things like that. But I had actually been visiting a mission partner in North Dakota, and I was at the nursing home, and she was visiting someone else. And so I called a friend of mine, and I said, hey, I'm with Michelle DePong. Let's pray for her healing of the cancer. But those were my primary interactions with her. And I don't know about you guys, but 
the announcement had not been made yet that they were going to pursue her cause for canonization. But there were a lot of rumblings from people who knew Michelle that in the last year of her life, her faith went through a tremendous deepening through her suffering with cancer, so much so that people were saying this is a person of heroic virtue. This person had a rare faith and might even be a saint. What did you guys think of that? I mean, being somebody who was a part of that whole journey, I got to, you know, be friends with her before she ever got sick, hear right away when she was sick, her asking for prayers, and then follow that journey very closely um, until Christmas Day when she passed away. And I remember driving up to her funeral that day and walking in the church, and there was just so many people. And the witness that she that she gave to all of us the, the whole year that she was sick, but just the, the faithfulness she had prior to that, I just had no doubt in that moment myself to say, I can talk to this eternal soul as somebody who can be um, an intercessor for me and, and continue to be a mentor in my life while she's in her eternal life. And as people were talking about, like, could she be a saint? Like, of course she could. Like, she was wonderful, you know, like she and not just wonderful, deeply faithful, phenomenal at teaching the faith. But that last year, she really did go through just such a fire that was so inspiring in the way that she stayed faithful, but trusted in the Lord and asked for healing, but like was just wrestling with those things and became such a docile spirit. Um, uh, yeah, that would not be a surprise to me to say, yeah, someday I get to call her St. Michelle. Yeah, what did you think, Trevor? Yeah, for me, I'm very excited for newer potential saints. I mean, Michelle only passed away Christmas Day 2015. That is so recent. And I mean, this is even something that like St. Therese of Lisieux said that she struggled with. She wanted to hear, really get to know the saints, but she was just reading saint biographies and it was kind of hard to connect with them. And to look at the life of Michelle, talk to people like you guys that have met her and many other people that have met her and hear her story, hear her example, we can do it. That's just my my reaction to it. Because some saints I look at, I'm like, I don't know, uh, maybe. That's, that's, kind of, that's a lot. But with Michelle, it was also a lot, but in a very doable way and someone that with the society and culture that we live in now, someone that was able to remain to be holy despite that. That's really inspiring to me. And when it comes to things like the documentary, you're us talking about this right now. Um, I love being able to share it with other people. Hopefully it can inspire them, um, that story. Someone so recent, I think it's just really helpful. Yeah, so that day, the blizzard, we loaded up all of Trevor's <laughs> camera equipment into a Suburban and we drove that distance. And one of the things that was remarkable to me, you know, I'd never made a documentary before. We had some people helping us, like, who should we reach out to to see if they'd like to do an interview for us? And one of the things that I found was really remarkable was that a lot of people found out what we were doing and reached out to us saying, I want to do an interview. And we took so many appointments that we were having to turn people away. And people were still contacting us like, can I be interviewed as well? And that was just remarkable to me. Trevor, how many people do you think we interviewed? Maybe close to 40, I think. I mean, we were just going on and on and on talking to so many people. And there were so many people that we didn't talk to that we really wanted to talk to. And they wanted to talk to, but we just couldn't make it work for that short time frame that we were filming. I mean, people were just jumping up and down to try to talk to us and share what they had to say. And as the person who never knew Michelle, what impression did that create on you? Yeah, that's a great question. I have never known anyone in the canonization process or knowing, or in this case, knowing people that knew this person. And to see all of these people, regardless of what 
canonization news. And then at that time, there was no canonization news out. We just want to share the story of Michelle. We just want to share it, not for any type of wanting her to be canonized or something, not any type of movement like that. It wasn't official at all. It's just these people were impacted in such a deep, real, personal way by this woman that maybe like over decades later, there's this camera crew that's just saying, hey, we're just looking for stories. They will just jump at that opportunity because they were impacted um, so long ago, but so powerfully that it still just resonates so much with them right now. Um, that was, I had never seen that before. That was powerful. Yeah, isn't that incredible? I mean, we weren't even asking them, do you think she's a saint or anything? Because like you said, mm -hmm. none of that was being discussed at the time. But that made a huge impression on me too, that people who knew her years ago had such a powerful encounter with her that they wanted to share that story. And later, uh, when I heard that her cause was being announced, one of the things that really struck me was that I don't think we ever came across a person who would disagree with that statement. Mm -hmm. And I remember talking in the past to people who belonged to religious communities where they'd had a famous founder who passed away. And I'd ask them kind of excitedly, so do you think that this person's cause will go up for canonization? And the interesting thing is that almost all of them said it wouldn't get past the community because mm -hmm. your immediate community sees all of your faults. And they see the ways that you're not surrendering to the Lord. And yet the interesting thing is, at least for us, everyone who we talked to said, no, like I've seen heroic virtue in her. That's incredible. Now, our journey took us a lot of places. We stopped in South Dakota where Michelle had served and there were a lot of people there who knew her. We went to Lincoln, Nebraska. We spent the most time in North Dakota. I absolutely loved getting to stay at the DePong's farm. Mrs. DePong made us lunch every day, got to experience farm food, and we got to drive on the, the ATVs. Is that what they're called? Yes. yes. That was really fun. <laughs> Very exciting stuff. So out of uh, all of these experiences that we had, what made the biggest impression on you? Having known Michelle in my own like corner of her life, and then getting to meet all these other people that I had never met before. And she did, she got to invest her life in them and I get to hear their stories and to see the way that she loved her roommate when she lived in Bismarck was the way that she loved me when I was on campus with her and uh, the way that she would interact with her sisters and invite her family into her mission and her mission into her family, that's what she did with me, you know? Um, and so it was so fun and honestly, there were a lot of tears throughout hearing people's stories because. I was deeply moved, as, as Trevor was saying, you know, um, these people who were impacted by her so many years ago and still are deeply impacted by her. That's what we encountered. And, and it brought back all these inspiring moments of, of spending time with Michelle. And, and she was a big part of me becoming a missionary myself because I saw how she did it. And, I, and it's repeatable. Like she made it a way that was any human can do this. You know, any human can follow the Lord and uh, anybody can have a prayer life. Anybody can learn uh, how to spend some time in silence with the Lord and just see that initial conversion that I had when I was with Michelle towards my faith and to see how she did that with so many other people too was just really so fun for me to see. Yeah, especially when she was in the hospital and she was suffering so much and yet they told us she kind of became a famous person mm -hmm. in that hospital because she still had such joy despite what she was suffering. And they told us that she would make origami in her room. And all over the hospital, you would see this origami because people had gone to visit Michelle. And the hospital staff and some of the patients 
would pour out stories about their own sufferings to her. And most of the time when we meet a suffering person, we don't want to tell them about our own sufferings because we think, well, you're suffering much more than I am. And yet people felt safe doing that with Michelle. They felt like she was a listening ear. And really when you were with her, people would say time and again, she was completely focused on the other person, welcoming that other person, helping them see the love of God in their present situation. Now, how about you, Trevor? What struck you? Well, we just completed our winter wonderland adventure, (laughs) our massive marathon trip up to North Dakota in the snow. And again, for me in my shoes, I've never met Michelle, never met her parents, and at this point didn't even know her story. And there we are at her farm with Ken and Marianne and Renee welcoming us, um, going into the farm. And immediately I can tell these people are just awesome. This family is well-grounded. They're so loving. I mean, they just met me and I I just felt like family immediately. Um, It was so cool to see their hospitality. But I was most struck by, um, I believe we did this on the first night, they had a little presentation set, um, just going through some photos of Michelle's life um, from her childhood, going through her whole story with us. And just, yeah, hearing the story for the first time really changed me dramatically. Coming from her parents, coming from her sister, telling it to us there in their living room. And to be able to say it with such grace, to be able to say it with such confidence in the Lord, something that's so deeply painful, losing your own daughter, losing your own sister, such a long journey of that suffering, it immediately made an impact on me that there's something different here. This isn't like the usual... I don't know, Catholic experience, and that's good, that's great, but there's something really life-alteringly powerful um, for me and for other people here, and it just got me excited to start filming. Like, we need to tell people about this story. It needs to go beyond you have to be in their living room to hear the story, or you have to know someone that could maybe give you a quick summary. That became a deep desire, sharing this with other people. Yeah, you know, I noticed how you changed after the documentary because all of a sudden you had a picture of Michelle on your desk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And obviously you'd never had that before. Why did you put that picture on there? Michelle for me is a daily reminder. Every time, I mean, I can just look at her, look at her smiling in that picture in the hospital bed. Everything just kind of gets recalibrated for me. Because sometimes in life you're just going through, you're going through the motions, the routines, and you just kind of forget about God or you forget about what life is really all about. And whenever I look at her or even whenever I think about her, immediately recalibrated. Um, Not in like a, Michelle wants so much more than I am right now with this meeting that I have, and it's just really hard and preparing for this project. Not like that, but just there's more to life than just what I see with my own eyes. There's something deeper here. There's something spiritual here, and Jesus is wanting to invite himself into that. And it's crazy. I just look at a picture of her, and I get that. So Highly recommend it. Maybe you guys should put it at your desk. Yeah, you get a little picture. Mm-hmm. Inspiration. Mm-hmm. Now, Steph, you had already known Michelle, uh, and so you'd already been deeply impacted by her years ago. But what change in the spiritual life did making the documentary have for you? I remember being on campus with Michelle and uh, first kind of hearing what it was like to be a disciple, what it was like to pray, what it was like to, to say yes, to sacrifice for others to encounter Jesus. I remember my first year as a missionary then calling her a lot. Michelle, what do I do? Uh, like, what's, what's, what's most important with my discipleship group and whatever. So this was a reminder for me of going back to the foundation, going back to the fundamentals, going back to like, why? Why did I fall in love with Jesus in the first place? You know, because she was just so authentically 
this is my focus. This is what's most important to me. This is what I'm going to do with my whole life. I'm going to live mission with my whole life. I went with Michelle. Like she was in my heart. I was in conversation with her as we were on this trip, as we were talking to these other people, as these things were striking my heart. And she just kind of re-became that mentor in my life a little bit more, reminding me, yeah, when you first fall in love with Jesus, that love is so profound and you can get kind of uh, overwhelmed by the monotony of day-to-day life and to remember like, no, the most important thing is what is Jesus doing right now and whatever I'm working on. And, And she really reminded me of that while we were on this particular trip. I think the gift that the Lord gave me while we were making the documentary is the reminder that he always answers prayer. Because the last conversation that I had had with Michelle was when we were in the nursing home and she told me she's having this really big surgery coming up. And she said that they weren't sure yet, but there's a possibility that they might have to remove her womb. And Michelle had always wanted to have kids and have a lot of kids. And so, of course, this caused a lot of anxiety in her. And she wanted to pray that after this surgery, she would still be able to have kids. And so I remember very distinctly praying with her and asking the Lord, Lord, please give Michelle Dupong a lot of children. And then while we're making this documentary, I'm hearing all of these stories about people who have been brought to spiritual birth through Michelle, people who weren't Catholic, who converted through her influence. And then even after her death, people who are inspired by her to reach other souls for Jesus. And it was such a powerful reminder to me that God always answers prayers. It's just sometimes he answers them in an even greater way than we expect. And I know that some people are even asking Michelle's intercession to be able to have children if they are infertile. And it's my understanding that people believe she's answering that prayer. And so God always answers prayers. So as we are wrapping up here, I'd like to ask you, after talking with all of these people about Michelle, what do you think is the most important message that people can take from Michelle's life, especially those who don't know her? Man, if you want to like distill it down to one, Jess, I don't know. I guess I just, if, if I imagine Michelle and I imagine who I know she is and um, she was just always focused on Jesus, the way that she prayed, the way that she talked to me, the way that she approached others. Can I share this one thing? Um, Sister Gianna, who discipled me and was discipled by Michelle, we think that someday if she's ever a saint, she's going to be the patron of hard conversations because she did not shy away from, hey, you're not doing something that's actually probably good for you. And so I'm going to engage in that because I love you. And it's going to be kind of hard for me. And it's going to be kind of hard for you, but I love you enough that I'm going to do that. She did that for me. She did that for so many people as we were talking to other people. Um, I heard their stories about that encounter um and and she could do that because her focus was first on jesus and what jesus wanted for the other person for the good of the other person so i would just say if you had to distill michelle down to that one one thing it would be that her eyes were on the lord that's great i really like that patron saint of having hard conversations (laughs) i'm not aware that anybody has that distinction yet but we really should suggest that well yes she's great and ask for yeah her prayer for that it's hard It is. A lot of us need help with that. Yes. How about you, Trevor? Out of the many lessons that I get from Michelle, the number one that I keep coming back to is it's about the other. And it doesn't need to be in an extravagant way where you found an orphanage here or you just 
go jump, go jump into a burning building and go save someone's child, which I highly recommend you should do those things if, you, if God's calling you to, that's great. But Michelle was always focused on the other person. It didn't need to be in a crazy way. It could just be as simple as honestly, how are you doing? Um, I don't know about you guys or your listeners, but I get into a box a lot of the times where I'm viewing the world from my perspective and it's about me. How am I feeling right now? What's going on in my life? How does this affect me? Do I have time to do that? The list goes on and on. I have a long list. I can show you guys later, but it's just all about me. And Michelle is a great, the lesson that I keep coming back to and need to keep growing in is just switch, flip the switch. It doesn't need to be really crazy, but just as you're going around, in my case, in the office or here in Denver with my friends, really actually see that there's eternal souls walking around. And a lot of the cases here at the office, a lot of them are, you know, on fire Catholics, and that's really great. But in the case of Michelle, she'd encounter as a missionary, she'd encounter a lot of people that were not. And so when she would encounter eternal souls that did not know Christ, that immediately became a big desire for them. How, what is the next step for them? How can I best um, be an instrument for the Lord to, to bring Christ to this eternal soul. Whereas me, even when I was a missionary, I'd be like, oh, that, that kid's kind of weird. I don't know if I really want to talk to that kid. Like, I would do all these, like, calculations. But Michelle was a soul that was filled with love, love that she received from Jesus, and love that she would then pour out into other people from that overflow. And love is not a calculation. It's not a cost-benefit analysis um, for all your accounting people out there. It's just, that's just not what love is. It's so much more simple, so much more beautiful and deep than that. It's now, yeah, people are not in the realm of numbers, really. And she was able to show that very simply, but very powerfully, very consistently, too. Yeah, she did have a love for God and for others, which is very rare. And I think that the message of her life for me is thirst for souls, but in the ordinary. Because if you compare her to some other saints, like St. Saint Maximilian Kolbe, he had an incredible thirst for souls, and he was also brilliant, and he started a newspaper, and eventually it grew to be a sodality within the Franciscan order, and he had 900 other friars joining him. And then there's the story of him going to the concentration camp, and it's really a remarkable story that doesn't happen to everyone. And you can see how he lived out his thirst for souls. But Michelle has a very ordinary story. She was a focused missionary, then she worked in her diocese, and then she died of cancer at 31 years old. It's very ordinary, and yet there's a very common thread throughout her entire life in that she thirsted for God and she thirsted for other souls. And that's something that can be inspiring to all of us, but especially those of us who have more ordinary lives. We can be inspired to draw other souls to Jesus. So I was really inspired making this documentary, and I hope that our listeners will be too. The documentary is going to be publicly available sometime in the year 2024, and we hope you all check it out. So Thank you, Trevor and Steph, for joining me today to share your experiences of making this documentary. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> and thanks, everyone, for listening. Oh,